I want to see what that dad bod can do out there. Not buying your banjos around the campfire. Shove them up your ass. Good morning or good afternoon. I always do that. Even though we're recording in the morning, I have no idea what time you're listening to this. It could be 2 a.m. Well, all another effort. We have we have a lot of fans who basically bug the shit out of us if we're like five <laughs> minutes late, not putting out the episode. So good morning to you guys and good afternoon <laughs> to everybody else. You know what? I'm happy that you all bug us. That means that someone's actually listening to this and we're not just talking into the ether. Or um, an award-winning podcast. We are an award-winning podcast. That podcast is football and other F-words. You've tuned in. You've made it. It's Michael Gillum, Zach Lyons. I want to start, Zach, by the list of stuff that we would love to discuss and the list of stuff we're actually going to discuss in no particular order. Um, Antonio Brown goes ape shit and quits. Titans with the AFC South and have the number one seed currently. Uh, Jalen Hurts and the fan avalanche of the Washington football team. <laughs> uh, the Colts lost because the Colts suck. Uh, the Bengals beat the Chiefs in wild fashion. Again, handing the Titans the number one seed. Um, Odell punched Chuck Clark in the ass. <laughs> the Packers secured the number one seed. Mike Zimmer lights Kellen Mond's uh, self-esteem on fire. Uh, Jamar Chase breaks the uh, rookie receiving record. Dude is a beast. And Mike Glennon had a 0.0 QBR. I, that's just some of them. I didn't even get to Joe Judge. I discovered this late yesterday and sent it to you all. That crazy Joe Judge rant, head coach Ten of the Giants. 10-minute long rant. 10-minute long rant. He's gone on multiple of these, by the way, in the season. Included a not-so-thinly-veiled shot at Golden Tate, which, of course, over here makes us happy. because, And, and we'll be getting into that because I will be dropping some Golden Tate all right, very good. Uh, slander on this episode. Because I'm, I'm all right. I'm adding that to the list. <laughs> what we are going to discuss: Titans for sure. I really want to discuss their defense. Uh, the fact that they have the number one seed are the AFC South champs. Um, Antonio Brown, and uh, we're, we're going to go from there. We're definitely we're going to discuss Golden Tate since Zach wants to do it. I'll, I'll bring it in. I'll I'll, I'll uh, melt it into one of the other topics that we already have. We don't have to specifically get into it. I, I You know me. I can always slander anyone at any given point. What, I mean, what else can you say, though, about the Titans? They're AFC South champs. They are currently the number one seed, sitting at 11-5, and five, which is their best regular season record since 2008. Um, j- just those three things alone, as a Titans fan, if they don't make you happy. Actually, I'm sorry. Take AFC South, South champs out of that because this is now back to back. And for me, yeah, act like you've been there be, before. Yeah, we exactly <laughs> act like you've been there before. This is base level. Don't be happy just because you're the AFC South champ because, and this is the moment where we're going to talk a little shit, right? All of those people that were tweeting before the Colts game, who cares? We just want to lock up the vision. Who cares about seating? This is why you care about seeding. This is why you root for the Colts to beat the Patriots so that later down the line, if it works in your favor, and oh, by the way, if the Chiefs lose a heartbreaker and hand you the number one seed, hand you the number one seed in week 17 to where the only thing the Titans have to do is go to Houston and win, and it's theirs with a bye. There it is. That's why we bitch and moan about root for better seeding. Who gives a damn about the division? Well, my favorites were, of course, you know, I always try to go on these little quote tweet rampages where I call out uh, people who said dumb shit throughout the week. 
And I went back to Mike's post about the Colts Patriots game. Right. And, you know, he said, you need the Colts to win because of the one seed and blah, blah, blah. And everybody's like, no, we got to worry about the division first. And I've been a fan of this Titans truth account, which is a fucking dumbass account that doesn't deserve any followers said, I've been, if, if you've been a fan of this team since 1999, you know, the one seed isn't going to happen or, or whatever he said. I mean, it was total utter bush, bullshit because since 1999, if you're a true fan, you know that the Titans have been a one seed in their division or the one seed in AFC a couple of times. Like it's not the first time that the Titans right. have been a one seed in the AFC. And I kept telling people because it, you know, it gets brought up on the radio shows, the polls and everybody comments in the tweets and all that. You can have both and you can't, you can't get the one seed without winning the division. So if you get the one seed, you won the division, right? Like, why aren't you rooting for that one step higher that guarantees the other? And the people that came out and said, well, it's impossible. The Titans can't afford to do it. Uh, I think it was Asa Stanley said that uh, it's a luxury that Titans can't afford. What? What? <laughs> it's nonsense. You don't have to pay anything for it. I mean, like, I, 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 the the I found the wording more funny because he's not the only one who said that it was you know uh, improbable. I think that's what most people said that it's improbable. Sure, it was improbable, but it's also a, a week ago. I've been arguing all week with Justin Mello and a few others about how the Colts could not make the playoffs. And there is a chance that the Colts could not yeah. make the playoffs. And, and, and it all happened because this season, unlike any other, has been the craziest <clears throat> season where almost anything can happen at any given week. And when people say, when people mean improbable, but they say impossible, I think that's my biggest pet peeve because it's not impossible for a stuff to happen in the NFL at any given point that go, goes in your favor. It's a wild, it's a wild sport this year. So Maybe people need to open up a dictionary and use the word improbable more, but it was never ruled out. And we kept telling everybody that there is you, you specifically, because you have the New York times uh, playoff machine, like memorized, like maybe it's in your brain and you're plugged into it, it. <laughs> but you, you kept saying, kept throwing out the numbers that it wasn't. I, th I think the San Francisco game was the biggest issue and the Titans came out and won that. And once the Titans yeah. came out and won that, it was like a real, real reality. I always kept it open, the possibility open, but it was a real reality that that was going to happen because the Kansas City could, they can't lose to the current state of the Denver Broncos because of the injuries at quarterback. But Kansas City at the time when this all this conversation started had had Cincinnati and had Denver and one other one left. And I was like, well, they could drop easily drop one of those right there. The right. Patriots could easily lose to the bills. The second round, like it, the possibilities were there. It wasn't, I never really thought it was that improbable. It's just, well, and that's yeah, go ahead. It's just, I, I just, I just, I just hate when people say it's never going to happen and then it happens and they don't really take a lot of accountability for it. It just, it, in your life, hopefully, it, it, listeners, you want to control as much as possible for the outcome of your life, your job, or whatever. <laughs> hey, look, if you don't, you're a complete fucking nihilist. Best of luck to you. I think that's amazing somehow. But but in all reality, like that's what you want for your team as well. And that's why I kept going on and on about the 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 playoff simulator and going through it and clicking different options, is because 
there are multiple teams out there right now, and especially in the AFC, that have to have some pretty psycho stuff happen in week 18 for them to become a six seed or a seven seed or and that you don't want that for your team. The Titans were in that position to where they could win the AFC South, but they would still be waiting till the nth hour in week 18 to find out if they were going to be a four seed playing. But you don't want all that. Forget all that. If you can control and set your destiny to where people have to come to you in the playoffs and you're going to end up playing lower seeds, that's fantastic. And we knew the Titans sweet spot was either going to be optimally the one seed where you get rest or the two seed to where people would have to come to Tennessee all the way up through the Chiefs. And you're obviously hoping for the Chiefs to lose. You don't even have to worry about that second part now. I want to throw out the second piece which is off of Reddit, um, courtesy of, and I can't find the user now, Trick96. Thank you, Trick96. Uh, what is the potential for having a bye week so important for the Titans, or why is the potential have a bye week so important? Head coach Mike Vrabel is 8-0 and with extra time to prepare for games, coming off a bye or a Thursday night game. He is 8-0, and and they average 31 points in those games. That's it right there. That, that, the that's hell? everything right there. Like, here, here's my thing. I get that that little losing streak that they were on was really disheartening, and that forced a lot of people to shift their expectations for this team. But let me say this. If you're one of those people that shifted your expectations for this team during that little losing period, then you're just as bad as the, the analytics people that we'll talk about later because you're obviously not really providing a lot of context or nuance for yourself. Even though you claim you're watching the games, you would know that turnovers are fluky. And that's why they lost the game. And it's not, it wasn't really as much the talent on the field as it was the turnovers. And you've seen the last two weeks with the Titans not turning the ball over, they're winning games again. Like, yes. like you got to provide yourself with a little bit of context and nuance. I know that's asking a lot from some of you because you guys just want to, you, You wanted to fire Mike Vrabel, who should be coach of the year. You wanted to fire John Robinson, who is, I think, should be executive of the year. And you you guys are just nuts. You got to settle down and listen and watch the game and provide context. And there's plenty of accounts out there that are providing context, not just this podcast and not just our Twitter accounts. But, I mean, Easton Freeze is out there. Uh, A to Z, Buck. I mean, all these Tehran, all these people are providing you context, and you're just like ignoring it. It's just, it's, it's just wild that a couple losing games makes you forget that they went through and beat the Rams, the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Colts, who are all playoffs teams. <laughs> like they just yeah. did that a few weeks ago, which was the most improbable run of of everything that you saw in the schedule. That was the craziest part. And right now, I've said it numerous times, when this team is healthy, and it's going to be healthy because guess what? All those injuries are going to heal over the bye week. (laughs) When this team is healthy, it's the best team in the AFC. The defense is playing lights out. The offensive line is starting to hit its stride. And Derrick Henry's coming back. A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill are playing more efficient football. It's everything you want in a Super Bowl team is happening before your eyes, and you guys ditched it because you just, oh, we got to worry about winning the division first. Well, fuck, you're going to win the division 
if you get the one seed, you're going to win the division. I never understood that stupid, stupid caveat that people wanted to throw out there. Get some balls, enjoy your team, and fucking root for them to win the Super Bowl. And the best path to win and to even get to the Super Bowl is to host all the playoff games in Nashville is to get the bye week. It is so fucking simple. It's like adding two plus two, and we're over here telling you it's four. You're over on the other side saying it's oranges and bananas. And it's not, That's the next piece we're going to get into, is that if it's not obvious, there's a reason why you should be excited. We're going to get into weighted DVOA and all that. Trust me, we got a whole thing, but... Weigh it down and sink it to the bottom of the fucking yeah. ocean. Yeah, give us a fucking concrete shoes and throw it in the river. Because if if for some reason you've come into this podcast, if for some reason you're a Titans fan that has ignored the DVOA stuff over the last couple of days, and God bless you, but you've somehow you you know that weighted DVOA has the Titans ranked outside the top, whatever. Let me push you at ease at why all of that is crap. The Titans defense is playing amazing. The Titans offense is getting it done even without Derrick Henry. And this week with limited use of, of um, Antonio Brown, just, I'm sorry. Ooh. Good Lord. You what looked at your screen, devil. didn't you? You looked at your screen and pulled up. Ron I, did. Burgundy. I did. I've got shit highlighted over here. Just driving me nuts. <laughs> but, but the point I'm making is that this Titans offense is finding a way to get it done, but this Titans defense is all over the map. They're only getting healthier and stronger. This is the perfect setup to run through the playoffs and to get into the Super Bowl with, oh, by the way, suddenly having Derrick Henry back. And that's why that's why you wanted the one seed so much. You get that extra piece of rest, and it is now set up perfectly for the Titans to take it. So to get into that, the Titans defense alone, if you don't follow Brian Baldinger, baldy on twitter you absolutely should especially if you're a titans fan he does such a good job of kind of showing you why he enjoys watching a piece of film or why he enjoys specifically the the titans defense and then he went into the front he was like this is the best front in football right now the he put out two videos yesterday one of them was specifically on the defensive front he calls it 60 minutes of mayhem and that is exactly what the titans are up front and in the middle of the field, that Titans unit plays with this cohesive symphony of badassery that I, I have not had. Zach nailed this a few weeks ago. This is the most fun I've ever had watching a Titans defense by far. I can absolutely say that now. And I am definitely one of those. I usually hate when fans qualify their their length of time. But this is coming from someone who has been in that stadium since 97, who's watched every single defensive unit that the Tennessee has put out. This is by far the most fun I've had watching a defensive group. Yeah, I, I I just think that they're so aggressive and they won the physical battle, not only just in the trenches, not only in the middle of the field, but also outside with the defensive backs. And, you know, there was a, about week seven, week six, we on this podcast talked about Jackrabbit. And I compared it to... I think I even said, you know what's going to happen is that by week eight or something, Jackrabbit, everything's going to turn on for Jackrabbit, and he's going to turn into uh, Malcolm Butler, I believe, 2018. Um, I think that was the year that Malcolm Butler was signed, maybe 2017. Um, And then because that year, 
uh, when Malcolm Butler was signed, he sucked, right? I mean, he sucked for eight weeks, and then all of a sudden he turned it on and he was shut down corner. And here's Jack Rabbit putting up elite numbers, and nobody wants to talk about it. Mike's talking about it, and I think it's because I inspired him with my tweet because I'm I'm a source of inspiration for Mike. All of his tweets come from me. And the 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 way that they targeted Jackrabbit this past week shows that the Dolphins really haven't been paying attention too much, or maybe that's the only way to go. But he only he got targeted 10 times, only allowed three catches. And he's been elite all year since about week seven. And that is that's exactly what was supposed to happen. Sometimes you just got to be patient. Sometimes these, these defensive backs have a hard time adjusting to and filling out the rest of the defense because the defense, you, you have to know what everybody else is doing while you're doing your job and you have to get a feel for everybody in the style of play and the speed that they play. And he was just getting up to speed. But you talk about this defense. They were 24th last year. They're sixth this year in points against. So they're the sixth best defense in scoring. I mean, this is arguably a top, it's a top 10 defense for sure. You can maybe make the case for top five. And we're talking, they were historically bad last year. Remember on third down percentage, they were 32nd. They're sixth this year. It's the sixth best team on third down. And not only that, but they went from 19 sacks last year to over 40 this year. (laughs) Like this unit is awesome. And despite what the nerds at DVOA saying, what Benjamin Solak, who is now at the ringer said, they said that, Oh, the Titans defense won't improve. Well, I always went on those little things and said, of course the defense is going to improve because it was historically bad last year. Right, <laughs> like it has to improve. It can't get worse, and it can't stay the same. It has you can't, to improve. You can't burn a house down twice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like like Jack Crawford. Ooh, we lost Jack Crawford. We lost this rotational role player and replaced it with Danico Autry. How could they not improve? Like the the fucking hoops these guys jump through to just bash the Titans is just so funny to me. This this defense is a championship winning defense. Yes. Bottom line. Yes. And what's we said this about the offense last year, like the parallels are so crazy is that all the offense or all the defense had to do last year was be 20th. Well, now it's top 10. Shout out to Superhorn who said they wouldn't even get out of the bottom third. He's one of those analytic losers too. Superhorn. And look at them now, Ma. Top third. Not even bottom third. Not even middle third. Top third. And well- I think I think you can say that last year's issues stem from a fact of communication and staffing issues. Maybe a little bit of personnel, but mainly the way that Mike Vrabel handled the defensive coordinator position. And maybe this is all Jim Schwartz, and we just all are being fooled by and forgetting about the man behind the curtain, right? Either way, I don't care. I don't care if Dumbo flew down from the heavens and decided that he was going to call plays. And as long as we're a top five unit, that's all I give a shit about. Like, I don't yeah. care who's doing it. I don't care who's really responsible. Let's just, we're, we're it. We're here. Championship winning defense. Our offense is going to get healthier. If we can eliminate these, these screen games. And if there's a great article up at Broadway Sports, No Flag Films has joined us. And he's got an article up there dissecting the screen game. If we can get away from this, using the screen game so much, you're talking about a uh, an offense. You're just talking about a complete team. 
top to yep. bottom complete team. What in your mind, Lebowski, when you're watching that beat down of the Miami Dolphins, like what is going through your head? It's just so, I don't know how to compare this other than past jobs I've had to where, and hopefully listeners out there are this way to where, let's say you've worked in a restaurant or in construction or whatever it is. It, it does it could be an office job. When you and your team are in sync and you're flowing off each other and you're having a damn good day and everything just seems to be going right, that's a good feeling. I know that may sound weird about a job because most people don't like their jobs, but everyone has had those days at work where you're like, shit, yes, yeah, like everything's just clicking. The way this unit on defense just works, I'm usually the type of guy, I'm like a lot of football fans where I like a lot of offense. I've never had so much fun watching a unit on defense because specifically against Miami, they only gave up like two explosive plays. The rest of the game was like varsity versus JV. And it was just nonstop. And it's this feeling of the game feels secure in the first quarter, which this defense has done to several teams this year, multiple times. And it's the way it complements the offense and it complements what the, the kind of unfortunate, the ragtag group that the, the Titans offense have had to put on the field. They're starting to act like a unit that that's the team they handpicked to come into the season with, with Hillard and Foreman. Foreman is running lights out right now. And, and just to be able to see that dichotomy of a defense that goes on the field and just operates like this badass symphony and then they come off the field hand the ball back to the offense and the offense can go out there and run their game plan i just can't get enough of it if i could mimic that miami game that feeling of watching that game over and over i would love it i, I think it was um uh boren jonathan boren that said that <clears throat> this game was just a nice old-fashioned football ass kicking and that's exactly what it was. And I just couldn't get enough of it. It is all thanks to, well, not all, but it's the majority is thanks to that defense and just how damn good they're playing. I just can't say it enough. Uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs game, I, I would argue that I think is probably a good example of, of another win this season that I felt that the Titans really dominated every phase of the game. Yes. But, you know, because Boren thinks this was the most impressive win of the Titans season. I kind of argue the Chiefs. And then Boren tells me, you know, puts in this perspective. The Chiefs weren't anything when the Titans really beat them. They were they were they were hampered. They were kind of losers. Oh, my God. Cannot believe this. We have a surprise guest joining the uh, the podcast coming in like a wrecking ball is Michael Herndon, who has just joined. Uh, he's getting connected to the audio, and his video is about to come through, hopefully. Um, Michael, can you hear us? I, I can. This is Michael calling from a car phone. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Are we on speed? Is your family with you? No, no. I'm okay, on my way okay. to a meeting. Okay, just making sure. Uh, we were just discussing the defense uh, at the moment, talking about um, the – what, what were we talking about? We we're just talking oh, about the Chiefs just game. We we're talking about what was more yeah. impressive, the Chiefs or the Dolphins game. And then Bourne put it into perspective for me because I said Chiefs. He said Dolphins was that the Chiefs weren't on a red hot streak or anything. They were they were actually one of the middle tier teams of the AFC while the Dolphins were on this amazing streak 
and they were getting all these pressures and all these sacks and the Titans O-line only allowed one quarterback hurry and no sacks. So like the Dolphins should be the most impressive win of the Titans season so far. Uh, Mike, you're obviously on your way to a meeting. So what do you need to get off your chest? I, I was just wanted to come in and completely derail the podcast. It's, it's really fantastic. I will say I still got to go with the Chiefs. I, you know, the Dolphins are nice and all, but they beat like all the all of the worst quarterbacks that the league has to offer over the past seven weeks. I, I think I think we knew they weren't quite what that seven game win streak suggested. Even 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 if the Chiefs were not the Chiefs when the Titans played them necessarily. I still think it's more impressive. Mike, you, you put out a tweet yesterday about <clears throat> Jack Rabbit Jenkins since coming back from injury, 13 targets, three catches, 20 yards, one interception. Um, but you kind of go on to elaborate uh, his stats since week seven. What is it about Jenkins that kind of made you want to post this and that do you, do you feel like he's been ragged a little too much by the fan base and actually deserves some credit? Oh, 100%. I mean, this fan base, it, they, it never fails. Like, it, every free agent signing, uh, all, almost every free agent signing, I guess Danico Autry is one of the few that just came in and killed it right away. Um, but the uh, this fan base has a really bad habit of, if you're not awesome within, like, 0.2 seconds of signing your contract, you're trash and you're done and I hate you. Um, and, and uh, like, this is the same thing. It's so funny. Cause this is the exact same thing we went through with Malcolm Butler and Malcolm Butler was awful. The first few weeks he was with the Titans. And then he put it together. He started to play well and fans still hated him for a full year and a half after he started playing good. Um, and then finally, he, you know, people come around to him just as he gets ready to, to leave, uh, and, and, you know, get cut. So it, I just feel like it's – I need to put something out there because I every game day I always get stuff about Jackrabbit, about, oh, Jackrabbit's trash, or they should put Chris Jackson in instead of Jackrabbit, all this stuff. You know, Buster Screen's going to take his job. All that. It's nonsense. He's, he's a much better player than any of those guys. He has been for years. He has been really good since week seven. Um, I mean, like those numbers uh, that I tweeted out yesterday are like uh, elite, elite shutdown type numbers. And, and I don't know that I'd say he's a shutdown corner necessarily. I think Fulton's still their best corner, but he's a really good number two. Um, and it, it, people need to stop shitting on him because he's a good football player. And he has been for a long time. And that, that first seven games adjusting to a new system, new team, uh, new, new communication with uh, new teammates and everything. Don't hold that against him for his entire Titans career. Please, just let it go. We've seen this happen time and time again. The first six games did not define your entire tenure with a team. Mike, I, I, I know you'll have some great opinions on this one because I know how much you love DVOA. Uh, the new way to DVOA uh, – oh, yes, we're absolutely getting into this. The new way to DVOA came out yesterday, which I know you really look forward to every week. Um, Titans, obviously, again, are not in the top ten. But listen, the Indianapolis Colts – who could win next or could lose next week against the Jaguars and be completely out of the playoffs are ranked seventh with a 23.6 weighted DVOA. Tell us why DVOA matters so much in your life and why you have it pinned to your wall. I mean, it's, it's so ridiculous. And I'll admit, I, 
I've used DVOA over the years. What? I like the idea of DVOA, but I think this year is kind of really exposing DVOA and football outsiders. Just generally that, like, they get attached to certain things, and then they never readjust and look at, well, are those things actually leading to teams winning games or not? Because a lot of times they're not. I mean, the, the Colts are the most celebrated, what are they, uh, nine and seven or something like that team in the history of football. I mean, this yeah. is a, a very mediocre football team, a team that the, the division winner uh, the, of the division that they're in beat twice. Um, you know, I don't understand how they don't just admit that, hey, these numbers mean something like, and we can kind of explain like, you know, situationally, you know, success rate, all that stuff, but it doesn't matter at the end of the day, if you're not winning the football game. So I, I don't, I think the Titans specifically are, are a weak spot for them because of who the Titans are. The Titans are tough. Um, I think the Titans are very adaptable. And by that, I mean, you know, they don't have to win the same way every week. We've seen them win shootouts, uh, you know, the game against the Seahawks early in the year, some of the stuff when, you know, everybody was healthy, uh, you know, those were more shootout style wins. And then we've seen them win defensive struggles and, and win with defense. So, and they can win at running the ball. They can win at throwing the ball. They can, you know, get a ton of turnover. Like, they can win different ways each week. And because there's no consistency, I guess, with the way that they win, maybe that makes it hard to quantify what they are. But I, I don't think that that's an accident. I think that's what Mike Frable wants his team to be. I think Mike Frable wants a team that can beat different teams different ways. And, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily a negative. So I, I think this is just one of those seasons where it's like, okay, DVOA is a tool that can be used to, to provide some context or provide some, you know, idea of what a, a team is doing on a down in down and out basis, but it is not the be all end all holy grail of these are the best teams in the league list, which is what shots and all the, you know, football outsiders and, uh, you know, PFF underscore uh, cheesehead or whatever, uh, you know, people want to make it out to be on the internet. Like, I, I get that it's got some good value, but I also think that the people who created it, I think they just need to be off Twitter. Like, just stick to writing your articles and everything, but giving your opinion out on Twitter, you're not very good at it because they only, they're, they are data nerds, and sometimes data nerds can only see black and white and not see the gray areas. These numbers tell me this, so this must be true, right? That's what they say. And the way they present, their data as just concrete facts and the way that they post a tweet and are condescending uh, at every turn and every chance they can get is is really a feat to behold and of course aaron shots went on um buck's show on monday and this guy even basically said well you know this doesn't really account for this and this doesn't really account for that and blah 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 so if it doesn't account for all this stuff, why are you discounting that stuff? That is my problem. They When they post a tweet about the Tennessee Titans being the worst one seed with DVOA, they don't ever provide context to that. Like, 
okay, I get it. According to DVOA, it's probably the worst one seed that's ever been in the NFL. But here's why that shouldn't matter. And, or here's why that is. It's not because the, the team isn't good. It's because of injuries have held this team back. The lack of explosive plays have held this team back. You know, there's, you can provide context without just being so concrete about it and spare me these losers who bring in the betting markets. I don't give a fuck about the betting markets. The betting markets are perfect. And you know what? Sometimes Vegas gets it wrong. That's how people win, right? And it's such a volatile market that I'm so surprised that data nerds who are deal in black and white and absolutes keep bringing this thing up that's also influenced by people who bet money. It's also in, it's influenced by the general public, which they think are idiots. It's, it's wild to me that they would go and choose something like that, something that can absolutely be affected by outside sources other than on the field play as a, as a sticking point for the Titans being a bad playoff team. Anybody? Anybody want to follow did, that up? Did he really? Did he call in and then just completely ignore your point? Like, did we so. just no longer? Probably. It happens no all the time. Mic. Just in life. no longer have Mike Herndon audio. <laughs> I, uh, no, I, I do agree with Zach. I do. I, uh, I think that if the, when he said that, when he told Buck on the radio this week that he, that they don't account for injury at all. Um, in the formulas, it's like, well, that's a huge deal. Like, you know, when a team sets an NFL record for players playing and, you know, they've got 88 players or 89 players, whatever they're up to, you know, I put out a list of like 10 guys, 10 names and, and buried a uh, 17th century classical composer in the middle of it. And people were not, not able to easily pick out the one that was not the Titan. Um, so that tells you, like, the names of the people that are, that are playing real snaps for this team this year. Um, but it's it's crazy what they've, they've gone through, and, and it's a huge testament to Vrabel and the coaching staff that they've been able to hold all this together. And, yeah, I, I mean, I do think it's a fair point that the Titans are a little bit fortunate that there's not a 13- or 14-win team this year. Like, a lot of years, the one seed is a 13-3 and three or a – a 14 and two, even, you know, somewhere in, in that range is generally where uh, the one seed falls in. And there's not that team this year, but um, they're, they're the best team in the AFC. I, I, I that's the thing. I, I think they've beaten almost, they've beaten all of the other teams that would be con, in consideration for top seed in the AFC besides the Bengals who they didn't play and the Patriots who they played without Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, or AJ Brown. Like, and I think at this point we know hey, those guys matter. Like it, it matters to have elite skill position players. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think it's just ridiculous uh, that they want to go out and trash the Titans and act like the Titans have no chance to the playoffs when all those guys are going to be back. That's the thing. And that's the, the biggest thing. Like if you want to say, okay, they weren't that great uh, on a, on a down by down basis this year compared to other one seats. Fine. That, that's fine. Nick Westbrook, Akina, and, and uh, Chester Rogers are usually not the leading receivers on one seed type team. But that's not going to be who this team is in a couple weeks when they play uh, in the playoffs. So 
it's it's going to be Derrick Henry. It's going to be Julio Jones. It's going to be A.J. Brown. Um, it's going to be the full complement of defense as things stand right now. Obviously, you know, hopefully nobody gets hurt against Houston. Uh, but as things stand right now, it looks like everybody's going to be available. So it's, it's going to be a very different team. And I think when they get so dismissive about the Titans in the playoffs, that's really where I the, – the issue I have comes to light is, is that's – that's just ridiculous. But anyway, I'm, I'm about to run into this meeting. So thank you for letting me uh, sabotage this podcast. And uh, I love you guys. Miss you. And uh, we'll talk then. All right. Yeah, see we, Yeah. You know, we love you. And, I, you know, something else that Aaron did while uh, on Buck's show is say that the Tennessee Titans fan base overrates the impact of Derrick Henry. Buck kind of let that one slide because he kept getting this Aaron guy, this this old old geezer of a nerd. He uh, this is why I'll never probably be allowed on the radio because I'll call that guy a nerd constantly on the radio. <laughs> um, the the this guy said that we overrate. Then he goes in this soliloquy about you know everything else that is wrong with the Tennessee Titans. Like I said you know, during that whole thing is that provide the context and nobody's overrating Derrick Henry. You're underrating Derrick Henry's importance on this team. I I think, I think that's another key issue is that everybody wants on these analytics nerds to downplay the importance of running backs. But let me say this all last night, everybody last night are on the Monday night football game, depending on when you're watching this. All the tweets I saw were about why is Nick Chubb not on the field? Yep. Uh, he's a running back. Was, so I, I thought running backs didn't matter. Why does it matter if he's on the field or not? Yeah. No, it was a major they got Kareem Hunt. The I yeah. mean, so so give me a break that running backs don't matter, especially when you have Peyton Manning asking where a running back is at on the field. Like running backs do matter. Derrick Henry matters a lot to this team. And the in spite of everything. Every data out there, all the numbers that tell you that maybe this team is not this or this team is that or whatever, they're proving you wrong on a weekly basis if you watch the games. Yep. And that comes down to John Robinson doing a masterful job with the roster and churning it in and out and getting guys off the field that were just sitting at home contributing, unless they're named Golden Tate. and. They um, and it's a credit to Mike Vrabel. I mean, you got to think about this, Lebowski. This team is eleven and five, about to be twelve and five, about to be the one seed, about to get a bye week, and they've done that for without their top three players for the majority of the years being active at the same time. Yeah. And of course, I'm talking about Derrick Henry. Yeah. I'm talking about Mason Kinsey and Golden Tate. <laughs> Golden Tate is the missing piece here. And and that's really, I just, well, how we want to kind of end this podcast is to tell you that without Golden Tate, this team isn't shit. I'm kidding yeah. on both fronts. We're nodding in this podcast. We have so much more to get into. I want to go back to the piece you 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 spoke about with Shats being on Buck's show, because the, the part about Derrick Henry irks me for this reason. I, I think dragging people on Twitter can, can, you know, people obviously take everything too far, especially on social media. And when you get to a point where you're just hurling insults at, at somebody because you don't understand what you're even insulting at, 
it gets stupid. And of course, you know, Titans Twitter, not even just Titans Twitter, NFL Twitter, Twitter as a whole takes things too far sometimes. But when people start saying to you that you don't even watch the games, do I believe he watches games? I do. But it, it starts to sound like you don't watch football when you make a statement like Tennessee fans, Nashville fans, overvalue Derrick Henry. That's so patently false. And all you have to do is turn on a football game with Derrick Henry in the game to understand why that's false. Look at the way that defenses have to structure their front line to account for Derrick Henry just standing in the backfield before the ball is even snapped. That right there tells you that it's not being overvalued. That's one of the reasons why Titans fans, NFL fans, people who report on the NFL want to see Henry back on the field is because just his mere presence of trotting out, the defense has to think, son of a bitch, we may have to put eight people up there. He hasn't played since Halloween, and he's still the sixth leading rusher. Up until like a few weeks ago, he was number two. Like, it's ridiculous. And this Jonathan Taylor nonsense, this fucking loser can't even get to 2,000 yards in 16 games, and he can't get to 2,000 yards in 18 or 17 games. Like, spare me this this fucking loser-ass Jonathan Taylor takes that were out there for a while. I've kind of, you know, I knew he wasn't ever going to win MVP, so I never really said, but I just wanted to be known that this loser can't even get to 2,000 yards when he is the focal point of the offense and the only good player on that offense that's a skill position player, not including the offensive line, obviously. And he has a much better run-blocking offensive line than the Titans have had, and he still cannot get to 2,000 yards. What a loser. Problem number two I have with specifically you know, DVOA and, and Shat's argument about and what you alluded to is that uh, we don't account for this. We don't account for injuries. Yeah, in, in retrospect, this part doesn't work with why. Here's the example I gave on Buck's show yesterday when I called in. Oh, I didn't know you called in. I must turned off the right before that. I did. I couldn't resist. After he hung up, I just I had to get my shot in because it was irking me listening to this shit on the radio. If you're going to put out something like DVOA, pride yourself on being a mathematician, a statistician, whatever it is. I'm, I'm fine with that. I like that. I, I'm actually more on the nerd side of the spectrum than I am just a pure sports guy. I, I definitely the type who you know wants to tinker with things and wants to learn. And where I'm going with this is that I use NASA as an example. And I used it yesterday, you know, NASA just launched this massive telescope. They're going to park behind the moon going to stay up there about like Hubble 20, 30 years, taking pictures of the observable universe. And the whole reason is that they want observable data from this instrument to be able to back up the theoretical equations they put out there because they're theoretical. They need to back them up with data. And if the data comes back and it skews their assumptions, then they, they adjust and they make adjustments to what they assumed based on what they actually see. They're supposed to complement each other. And what drives me nuts about groups like Football Outsiders, PFF, is that when presented with actual factual problems with your formula, they don't want to change it. They'll change them to make their argument the way in the in the in the way in the path that they want. But when someone points out to you to like DVOA doesn't account for injury. That's a massive problem. Uh, to me, it just, it, it, the second I hear that, I no longer have a use for it. It's like telling me that 
your formula is based on F1 racing, don't account for weather. I, I just don't have any use for you at that point because track temperatures, liquid on the course, all of that is going to drastically change how that race is run. It, it, setting out a set of rankings for a team and then having that team obliterated by injuries. Yes, their, their stats and your rankings are not going to look the same as they did in week one, as they do in week 17. I just don't understand how hard that is to recognize. And when you go on Twitter and act so arrogant about it is my problem. They don't even want to have a discussion. It's no, these are our rankings and you're going to accept it. And Titans fans are just idiots. To me, it looks like, I hate to say it, and I'm going to go there. It just looks like that you're just calling this fan base and other fan bases a bunch of dumb meatheads. You're just a bunch of dumb football meatheads and you don't understand the math. So trust us. I, I don't like that. I think that's it's arrogant. It's a shitty attitude. And the second I hear that your formula doesn't account for injuries, I have nothing to do with you. To, to take it one step further, and then I'll shut up about this. You're dead on about the PFF thing. This PFF moo asshole out of Germany talking about he's a mathematician and then says that his rankings are based on betting markets. Fucking betting markets are set up to make the house money. Are you kidding me? You're basing a ranking on something that is rigged in their favor. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's it's wild because that's been an ongoing thing is the, the markets, the betting markets, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Ben Baldwin put out this nice little tweet thread and about the Titans. And Ben Baldwin is probably one of the more analytically driven accounts out there. And the the thing about him is that you know he is uh on the athletic he does open sourcing i mean he does all kinds of stuff dealing with just the hard data of it all this year's titans are a real challenge from a team strength modeling perspective because they got blasted in a few games which i don't know if they really got technically got blasted while fielding a team comprised of practice squad players true but have a real shot of, if they win next week, resting up and getting healthy after the bye. The sum total of the results over the course of the season have not been very impressive. That is true. But at the same time, this is not the same as the sum total of the results over the course of the season is how good we should expect them to be when everyone is healthy. I don't think the Titans are as good as Chiefs and Bills. I will contend that, that they are. That's beside the point. But... It shouldn't surprise anyone if they make it to the AFC Championship game or even further, assuming they win next week. That is a level-headed take from someone that is in the analytics community. Yeah. Now, so I that is that is how the anal that's what I think I have the most problem with with these shots and PFF Moo and um Seth Walder and all these other guys that get involved in in this shit is that they don't provide the context. And I think that is a, a good level head take of context. And listen, okay, so now you know that your system doesn't account for injuries. Now find a way for your system to account for injuries. That's that's what I would say to these guys. If I if I was their boss and I said I found this flaw that this does not count for injuries, I would be in the, the workshop making sure that all my little nerds on their little, you know, calculators and stuff figured out how to account for injuries, how to account for uh, the players that are on the field. 
and 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 try to figure that out instead of just discrediting it and just putting out tweets that are just so black and white they don't allow for context and when you put out tweets like that you're gonna get blasted and you're gonna get freezing cold taked and quote tweeted and called out on radio shows and called out on podcasts because that's what you've opened yourself up to i want to say this i know we talked about the these nerds long enough speaking of the injuries speaking of the victories speaking of everything that has gone on this season I want John Robinson to get executive of the year. I'm pounding the table for it. I know we've all been pounding the table for coach of the year, and it just hit me yesterday that nobody's really talked about John Robinson because he guess he's just not, you know, he's not at the forefront. He's a very quiet GM who stays in the background most of the time. Executive of the year. This guy, as far as putting together back-to-back winning seasons, has put together back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back winning seasons i think that was six six winning seasons in a row that's the third best win streak right now in the in the nfl the third best the steelers have 18 winning seasons in a row the kansas city chiefs are at nine the titans are at six that is a gm this gm deserves especially with the way that he has been able to churn the roster been able to get players in in the offseason that want to be here players during the season like zach cunningham like um uh buster scrine and um you know these players that are coming off the street to play and play well that he deserves a lot of credit i don't want to hear or see any fire mike frable tweets any fire john robinson tweets for at least three years and that depend, really depends on how next year goes because it's going to be a rolling three years. Because right now, the Steelers have 18 seasons of straight wins. I think they have two Super Bowl wins in that time, if I'm not mistaken. That's how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. It's how hard it is to even get to a Super Bowl. Yeah. And I would much rather have this success with the, the people that we have than accident or than fire these two guys and end up where we were. Cause you have a better chance of taking a step back than taking a step forward. Because right now you're looking at the best Super Bowl team that the Titans have fielded since they went to the Super Bowl. Like they they've done this with 89 injured players and Mike Vrabel deserves coach of the year. John Robinson deserves executive of the year. You know, someone put in my mentions cause these Colts fans, I guess, follow me. They, they put in, uh it's chris ballard because he's got seven pro bowlers who the fuck cares seven pro bowlers big whoop you what those seven pro bowlers have to show for it a nine and seven record currently and they're having to face jaguars who they haven't beat in jacksonville in what 10 years or something like that i I don't know what it is 2015 yeah i mean give me a break you're you're in you're trying to play for a playoff spot and you didn't have to, you only had to overcome ignorance and Carson Wentz. This team had to overcome 89 players. Like, give me a break that Chris Ballard's even in this conversation when he's not building a team that's as good as this team. And I just, I, I get it. He's your GM. But even if I was like a Rams fan, I would be. I would be watching all the games. I know maybe Rams fans don't do that, but if I was a Rams fan, 
I know Stafford should have been comeback player of the year and MVP. I'd be a little disappointed because he's neither. But I would be looking at uh, what's going on across the league, seeing that this Tennessee Titans team beat us, seeing what they have, and I'd be saying, dude, uh, it's it's probably John Robinson. It's probably Mike Vrabel. Oh. How could it not be? Dan Orlovsky has Nick Sirianni as his second choice uh, of coach of the year, and Mike Vrabel isn't even number one. So Dan Orlovsky can go kick some rocks. He's a he's a loser too. Add a throw him in with all the rest of the losers out there. You're dead on about Robinson, and and I want to take it further by saying that Titans fans again that you're you're dead on. I don't want to see fire X Y and Z with Vrabel and Robinson for at least the next three years because it is so hard to put together the combination of the right three, one of which you cannot control, which is the ownership of the team. The Titans owner and Amy Adams Trunk gives a shit and she fully expects and relies upon that her front office, starting with John Robinson, is going to make the, the correct choices. Robinson understands that level of power and that respect, and he makes correct decisions based on that. Just those two components alone are so hard to get. Look at Jacksonville. That's a prime example. They could hire the best GM available ever tomorrow, but they're still dealing with an owner that just tinkers too much, is too patient. Whatever it is, you can listen to Jacksonville fans make the arguments against their owners. They can't stand the guy. The Giants with the Maras, I, I could go on and on. But having that component of the top three working right is so damn rare. Your head coach, your GM, and ownership that gives a shit, just those three components alone, Titans fans are extremely lucky to be in that position. That The stars have actually aligned for the franchise and the group that you love. And I think it's going to be this way for a while. So stop, stop trying to fire these people every 30 seconds. I yeah, want, it's just, it's just insane. And yeah. I know we need to move on to a different topic, but can I say something real quick about the Miami sure. game? Let's, let's not underplay what that offense was able to do. I know we spent a lot of time talking about the defense, but the offensive line, like I alluded to with Mike, it only allowed one pressure and it wasn't even a sack, you know, <clears throat> Excuse me. When I saw those first two drives, or actually the first drive of the of uh, the game, I put out tweets saying, "You know, I know it ended in a three and out. I know it wasn't that great, but I saw some things that were really promising for the rest of the game. And one of those was the pass blocking holding up. This Miami Dolphins defense was a very very good defense. I mean, I know they played some shitty quarterbacks and some shitty offenses, but." Sometimes you have to scout the player, not the 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 player, not the opponent. And those players, Christian, uh, and the defensive front, and then you have the two defensive backs that allow this defense to do a bunch of different things. Jerome Baker, Javon Holland. I mean, these guys are legit players. And whether the, what they've done leading up and during that win streak was because of the defense, and and this offense shut them down and impose their will. And there's, but we know that they can impose their will on the ground when they, when they're, when they're clicking and they have the full complement of the offense, they can do that. You know, this offensive line stayed healthy for the most part. And they were able to pass block. They're, they're hitting their stride. It, it took a lot longer than it should have taken. 
But with the injuries and people in and out of the lineup, this offensive line is hitting its stride right now. And when you hit a stride like this, these like they have in these last few weeks in the pass blocking department, that's so important. When you add Julio Jones and when you add Derrick Henry to that, that is going to be huge for this offense going forward. And I just want to say again how important the bye week is, not just for the health of getting Derrick Henry back, not just for allowing Julio Jones extra time to rest, but for this offensive line to rest. That is so important. And really for Ryan Tannehill to rest. Poor guy's been beat to shit all season and has had one damn week off. Like, nobody needs a break probably more than Ryan Tannehill right now to get his mind right and to get to and just to relax. And I think that when it all comes down to it, this offensive line has been key to some of these victories these last few weeks, negating Nick Bosa, dominating this Miami Dolphins front. I mean, I, I just can't get over when I saw the stats. I knew that Tannehill was only sacked once, and I knew McNichols and Swain and uh, Foreman were the pressure problems, but I, I thought there would be at least like two or three, right? I mean, one, and not and zero sacks from the offensive line. That is so, so huge for this offense. You, I just cannot understate how or overstate, I guess, how much that is key for the Titans going forward. And everybody's talking about, oh, when when the Titans get Henry back and then they'll have A.J. Brown, Julio, and Henry. Look, I've said it all along, Henry, we need, we need to see the Tennessee Titans to have Henry in the playoffs. But nothing is as important as the revelation and the, and the uh, improvement that this offensive line has gone through in these last few weeks. And that is yep. going to be so, so important. I hope it continues the trend against the Houston Texans. So speaking of the Houston Texans, again, we laid it out the top. It's as simple as this. The Tennessee Titans beat the Houston Texans. They are the number one seed locked in for a bye week. Um, don't even want to talk about the scenarios that the Titans lose. We're not going down that path. All yep. positive vibes here. Um, I do got to talk some negative vibes, though. It is going to be against the Colts because fuck the Colts. This is where I'm going to go back to my favorite tool, the Indianapolis Colts here in the New York Times playoff simulator. Now, Colts lose at Jags. They only have a 10% chance of making the playoffs. I'll walk through that in a second. But before you hey, start just real up, quick, I just got a tweet that says, drop the pod, you cowards. <laughs> so we talked at the top of the show that we get tweets all the time. You know, they're, they're, they're doing expecting the pod. Yeah, we're, we're doing, we're our, doing best. our best, motherfuckers. We're trying. Um, it, before you stop me and say, oh, my God, well, the Colts aren't going to lose against the Jags. You kidding? They have nothing to win for. No, let, let me let me lay this out for you. As Zach alluded to earlier, since t- the Colts have not beaten Jacksonville in Jacksonville since 2014, and I'm going to make this even weirder, since that span from 2015 to 2000 through the 2020 season, the beginning of this Jacksonville win streak against the Colts at home, Jacksonville only has 30 wins. That alone is bad enough. They only have 30 wins. Six of those wins, again, 2015 through 2020, have been against the Colts. That means that 20%, 20% of the Jaguars' entire set of victories until now, well, not count this season, is against the Colts. 
that alone tells me that they've got a shot. Also, look, the Jaguars are bad. They just got their ass kicked and embarrassed on national TV against against the Patriots. Well, they lose like 50 to three or something, 56. It was it was ugly. And it wasn't even a snow game. The, oh, uh, <laughs> Jacksonville is nothing to play for, nothing to lose, nothing to care for. The Colts have to win to get in the playoffs because if the Colts lose, they need the Ravens, the Dolphins, and the Raiders to all win against the Steelers, the Patriots, and the Chargers. Now, the Steelers don't look good. We just saw them on Monday Night Football. They, they're atrocious. Big Ben is completely washed, and it is set to walk away. Gay's got to go. But you're rooting for the Patriots to lose to the Dolphins. You're rooting for the Chargers to lose to the Raiders. You're, I mean, th- that's not happening. The Colts can't afford to lose. And for that reason, I think Carson Wentz is going to completely shit the bed. And I believe the Jags are going to win. I do. I think you're about to get the complete Shoyden fraud that Titans fans want, which is the number one seed and the Colts are out of the playoffs. That to me would be even better than week 17 would be the best. I mean, because week 17 was the best NFL weekend I've ever had. Yeah. I mean, it's uh it's it's just, I, I can't get over the fact that you know last week the big the big bugaboo was the Ravens needed to beat the Rams. That was the big thing that needed to happen for the Colts to be on the precipice of having to win this game against Jacksonville. And listen, I get it, it's Jacksonville. We shouldn't get our hopes up. Everybody's probably going to tell that to us on Twitter. Oh, don't get your hopes up, it's Jacksonville. But you. Teams want to play spoiler, right? There'd be nothing better than for this Jacksonville Jaguars team to end their season on a high note yeah, and eliminate a rival from getting into the playoffs. I mean, there's nothing to me that would be the biggest thing. So you said who has to win? Oh, I'm sorry. I just closed it, but it was, it was the Raiders. Yeah, it was essentially the Raiders had to win. The Chargers had to win. Uh, I'm sorry, they had to, the Patriots have to lose. The Chargers have to lose. If the Colts lose, that's what they would need to get in. So basically, if if the Colts screw up, they have this gauntlet of teams they would have to root for. That's just, just, they would have to have three teams win for them to get into the playoffs. Who who is the other one here? I, I know, oh, do the Steelers or the Ravens have to win? Um, the Steelers would, the Steelers have to lose. Okay. Um, the Patriots have to win. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So the Ravens, the Dolphins and the Raiders would have to win. Okay. So just as I have, I think when I was messing with it yesterday, it didn't matter, but I didn't account for the week 17 victory of the Steelers over the Browns. I think that had something to do with it. And if any of those three matchups don't go their way, they're out. So like that, and there you go. That's a prime example of what we were talking about a few weeks ago about just secure the division. Don't worry about the seating. No, it's because, okay, win and in, win and out scenarios, those are fine. But not even that. And let's, let's assume Indy wins. They're still having to wait till the end of the day to find out what their seating is. And the best seating they can grab is, is six seed. So it's either oh, a They six would or actually seven. have to wait till Monday, right? Because yeah. isn't that Raiders Chargers game on Monday? That's correct. So you're they're still going to be sitting around waiting on seating again you don't want that shit at the end of the season the titans fans have been through that enough which where you're sitting around at the end of the day waiting to either oh, are we going to get the four seed or are we even get in the fucking playoffs and there's been a couple of times where we watch this team just not even get in at nine and seven so 
There'd be nothing Again. better than for the Colts to have to sit at home and watch Tennessee Titans play in the playoffs while they don't get to play in the playoffs. There's nothing yeah. better than that in my mind, besides a Super Bowl win. They're actually, they probably just need to go ahead after this. And if they lose to the Jaguars, they just need to go ahead and call Golden Tate and get some golf course uh, recommendations because this motherfucker is parking golf clubs in his locker, in front of his locker room. And and he complained about Joe Judge being, well, he's too tough on us in practice. This motherfucker has got golf clubs. I mean, like, and this is the guy that everybody thought was going to be like some savior, you know, blah, blah, blah. The guy can't even get active over Cody Hollister. Give me a fucking break. This gold tape. There's your gold tape slander. I worked it yeah, in with I, the Colts reference. And I'm all about it because I'm so tired of hearing about people asking Golden Tate, dude, this guy had given up so bad in New York that he was parking golf clubs in front of his locker. And if anyone has watched any of his workout tape this year, I just don't understand. The, the guy runs like I run. And I don't run. <laughs> and, and Golden Tate and Mason Kinsey, like this love affair with these guys. Look, the, this team that you are saying has the coach of the year and probably Green should have executive of the year, they see Mason Kinsey and Golden Tate five days a week. They're not good. Just get it through your head. Just because they were good in preseason does not mean they're going to be good in regular season. They're looking for creative ways to make sure to not play these guys. <laughs> like, they think Cody Hollister is better than those guys. And that if you think that Mike Vrabel's coach of the year and you think that John Robinson is executive of the year, you should probably trust those guys and not your fantasy squad from seven years ago where Golden Tate went off and was important to your fantasy championship win. Like, let's get real here. Let's talk about Antonio Brown. Let's talk about it. We, we can't we, there's crazy asshole. There's <laughs> no way we could end this podcast without talking about this. Cause this, this was pure insanity. It, you probably won't see this again as an NFL fan a, a, a person actually quitting and partially stripping on the field. And then so, doing jumping jacks <laughs> in the end zone and trying to get the crowd pumped up or whatever was going on through his head. You've been living under a rock or you only saw clips of it. Um, Antonio Brown, for whatever reason, decided to um, strip off on the sidelines down to his bare chest, Mr. Bare Chest, and um, run across the back of the Jetson zone, opposite side of where his team was actually on the field with the play clock running, getting ready to hike the ball. Um, now, it's it since come out through, I'm sure, publicists or his agent or whatever that there were a, there was a disagreement on the sidelines about whether or not he was injured or all that. I'm not going to get into all of it. And here's why Antonio Brown has a massive list of shit that he has done in the past to show that he's either at the least just a pure idiot and at the most a full psychopath. And if you're listening to me and you're wondering, well, why don't you have any empathy for this? I have empathy for people that want to seek help and get proper help and try to get things like this under control. But what I don't have empathy for, and the bucks are included in this is you, you yourself don't want to take responsibility for your behavior. And those around you don't want to take responsibility for trying to get you any help because they just want to win football games. It's on Bruce Arians. It's on Tom Brady. It's on Antonio Brown. 
there's no standard to his behavior. I mean, the only reason why they're getting rid of Antonio Brown, which by the way, they still haven't cut him as of Tuesday morning, that he was not on Monday's uh, transaction wire so that, that he's still technically a part of the Bucks, even though Bruce Arian said publicly in his podcast, he was no longer a Buccaneer. They only chose to cut him when he made a public spectacle of himself and on the team on national TV. I mean, the shit he's gotten away with in private, some of it's felonies, some of it's things that Zach and I, and you listening to this would not have gotten away with because you're not a professional football player that they were able to get charges like this reduced and, you know, to misdemeanors and things like that, because a team needed him to play football for a Super Bowl. I'm going to go into a list of shit after I let Zach get his piece in, but I, I just wanted up front that I'm not trying to be some cold hearted person that doesn't care about people's mental health. I do, but I don't care about this guy's mental health in particular because he, he has had years, decades to establish himself as a raging asshole piece of shit. And I couldn't think of a better way for the guy to leave the league. Actually, I don't know of him being able to leave the league in any other manner other than half naked running through the end zone of an opponent's stadium. So I got a couple things on this, a couple thoughts. First, I think the NFL and, you know, some people just refuse to help themselves. Yeah. And I think the NFL and more specifically Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, and it seems like Bruce Arians was reluctantly accepting of Antonio Brown. So, you know, Tom Brady, really went to bat for him. And let's not forget that Antonio Brown also came to New England at some point during his stops. And so Tom Brady really advocated for him. You know, if you're going to advocate for a guy like that, maybe you should advocate for him to get some help. That's that's was my biggest issue is that I feel like Tom Brady is an enabler. I feel like the NFL allowed him to be an enabler knowing everything that you knew he farted in front of doctors and um he threatened to beat up a reporter and you know he's he almost froze his feet off and then he's got the whole helmet scandal and then you got all this whole list of shit that went down before he even got here including you know the assaults charges that are i think still hanging out there or something i'm not not quite sure but you got those issues as well. Obviously, they all need to be added in together and say, this guy needs some help. And for Tom Brady, really, I think if you're if you're going to, you first point the finger at Antonio Brown, but at some point, you know, some people just cannot help themselves. They don't see that they have a problem or they don't see that any of these issues are all stemming or creating a larger issue that is out there. So that's where someone like Tom Brady, who's advocating for this guy, should have probably advocated for him to get some mental help. Now, in saying that, yesterday morning, first thing that comes into the chat, the Titans Twitter chat, is Ian Rappaport's report about, well, he thought he was injured, but the Bucks said that he wasn't injured and they wanted him to go out there. And they said if he can't go out there, then he needs to get off the sideline, which is basically the way that Ian said it, phrased it, that he needs to get off the team. It was yep. technically off the sidelines. Now, that first video really sounds really bad, right? When you, when you first dive into it. And people ran with it. In fact, even after other videos of Ian, people are still going to the initial video of Ian and using that as, a, as some kind of, you know, well, see, it's not his fault. Okay, I have a few issues with that. First, 
I like context. That's a maybe I shouldn't have changed uh, changed this name to the podcast. Right now, it's Thy Name Is Victory. Maybe it should be Thy Name Is Context because that's what we've been talking about a lot. But the step back has Bruce Arians in his twenty plus years in the NFL ever been accused of this? Has anybody on this Buck staff ever been accused of this? No. Have they ever done something so egregious as forcing a player to go out there and play? No. How many players want to play through an injury? Oh, tons. 99% of players would play through an ankle injury. Hell, we had Derrick Henry try to play through a fifth metatarsal uh, injury. So uh, an, an ankle injury, I doubt, is something that a normal player would prevent them from going out there and playing. Okay. Now, if it was bad, he needs to leave the sidelines to go back to the locker room on a cart, right? That's what most people do. Okay, well, we saw someone go into the blue tent, or we saw someone go sideline reporters. We saw uh, so-and-so go uh, be carted off to the back or be helped to the back or limped to the back, right? That didn't happen. That wasn't that bad, right? There's yeah. two doctors that analyze this stuff. And who benefits from the story that Ian put out initially? Antonio Brown. Right. What do we know about these guys like Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter and Diana Rossini? They have their guys and they put out stories. They get a story, they'll put it out, right? He heard from Antonio Brown's agent that this that it was a is an injury issue. Cuz it only benefits Antonio Brown, right? It it benefits them. But NFL execs most of them are going to be able to piece together the common sense. You don't need right. to hear Tampa Bay side because there's video evidence. That is the big killer for me is that everybody's ignoring the video evidence of a guy with a bum ankle, not presenting any signs of a limp and not and jumping up and down and running off the field without a limp. Right. Are you trying to tell me that you actually believe that this guy was benched because of injury? This guy was caught in a lie. He saw that the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were being boat raced at the moment by the New York Jets. And this guy was just like, okay, I'm going to try to use an injury excuse and not go in anymore. Or I'm just going to tell them I don't want to go in. And the medical staff checked him out said, no, you're, there's nothing wrong with your ankle. Or they were like, no, you're going in. You know, the staff, if he said that, either way, he tried to get out of playing in the game. And he got caught in a lie or got, or got told no. And then if you go to Pat McAfee's show and he's telling everybody, which is a much more believable story, that after the vaccination thing where Antonio Brown faked a vaccination card and made Bruce Arians look like a fool because Bruce Arians kept him after saying he only has one shot, kept him around. He's saying that he didn't feel the love and everything changed after that. Here's what I can tell you what happened from context and years of knowing about Bruce Arians and his style. He did not like make, being made a fool of. He also has major health issues and probably also hated that he faked and put his team in danger of bringing in COVID. So I'm sure after giving Antonio Brown a lot of leeway 
in the off season because he was so good last year and he he was on his best behavior last year in the off season. He gave him a lot of leeway, right? Well, I'm sure when he came back, he got a lot less privileges and a lot less leeway, and that that hurt his little fragile emotions. Yeah, because he's Antonio Brown, he's Mister Big Chest, and he deserves everything and blah blah blah. That's the more believable story. That's the more factual story that you could put together from context, other than well, big old mean, you know, NFL head coach told this guy to go out there and play. He don't care about his health and care about his ankle injury. This guy ran off the field and jumped off the field. Spare me this pity and yes. that NFL is the big bad guy, that Bruce Arians is the big bad guy in this. Spare that, me that. Just that piece alone of what you said should tell you everything, okay? Let's say you're disagreeing with your coach about playing time, whatever the fuck it is, right? 99.9% .9 of NFL players, if they have to even go to the locker room, are going to do so in a controlled manner with their uniform still on because they've got another week to play that Tampa's going to end up in the playoffs or they are in the playoffs. You've got more games to go. You still got a career to build out. He's still got money on the table. His answer. If you take his story at face value, his answer to that was to literally quit the team in the most unforgivable fashion. That's, that's why I don't believe it. And that's why I know it's bullshit and, and I'll just throw out a, a few things. And yes, they're funny, but the point I'm trying to make is that the guy's irrational. His second year in the league, he took a personal stretch limo to a charity event, had them open every single expensive bottle in the wine, and then rejected it, and then refused to pay for it. This was a charity event, and he refused to do this. He killed an entire uh, aquarium full of piranhas. And then after the aquarium owner was trying to make him understand, piranhas were kind of refused to pay for him. He videotaped himself farting in front of a doctor. He took a hot air balloon to training camp. He froze his feet off. He refused to wear the helmet that the NFL provided him and went through this whole thing, made the Raiders go through this whole thing about trying to get a special helmet thing, you know, for him. The Raiders released him. The Patriots signed him. The Patriots then cut him, and which gives me the best timeline on this list I've got. He said he was done with the NFL. He tried to outsource his homework on Twitter. And when he started online classes, that failed. He got caught. He got thrown out of school, wants to come back to the NFL. Like that, just that sequence alone. I say all that to say this. This guy's not right. He's a crazy person, or he's just an asshole that doesn't give a shit and he's an idiot. But one of the two, none of that adds up to what Zach was just describing as he has some sort of legitimate grievance and that Arians and the Tampa Bay Bucks are at fault for trying to play him, keep, you know, he was going to remain injured. No, you're dead on. And I think actually you nailed it. And I even thought about that piece about where he made an ass out of Bruce Arians and the team and, and could have very well brought COVID into the building by lying about a, lying about a vaccination card and even going as far to getting a fake one. And then when he got caught, I'm sure behind the scenes, they, started to lose control of him and the situation. And honestly, we should have seen it coming when he, you know, we, he went off on the media talking about the media is not mature and they've got it out for him. That to us should have been the sound of the spoon flying off the grenade that here it comes, here comes the explosion. And sure enough, we got it. We got it on national TV and that should be enough to keep him out of the league. But I don't know. I mean, when you've got fans who clamor for someone like Golden Tate, and I'm using that as a joking manner, but like teams 
get desperate. I think this time next year, some teams are probably earlier in the year, teams are going to be desperate. They're going to be injured. They're going to need a wide out, and they're probably going to call this guy, and he may pick up the phone. Unless the NFL steps in and like bans him in the league, which I don't know they're going to do that, this guy could very well end up in the league, even though he just publicly embarrassed the shit out of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Let's look at it this way. Mike Evans has played through a lot of injuries, right? If if Mike Evans, who tried to calm Antonio Brown down, um, by yeah. the way, uh, which also tells me that it's Antonio Brown's issue, not a Bruce Arians issue. If Mike Evans had went to them and said, hey, you know, my legs or my ankles hurt and blah, blah, and they said, you know, they said, no, your ankle's fine, you can go on in. And he, he did the same thing as Antonio Brown, right? And then this story came out that it's about the injury. I would be more inclined to give Mike Evans a little bit more leeway as saying, okay, well, something's not right here. There's some issues. Rather than, I think, I think he does not deserve any leeway, in my, in my opinion. He does not deserve any benefit of the doubt, Antonio Brown, because it just doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense from a Bruce Arians coaching staff standpoint with Byron Leftwich there and all this stuff that with Mike Evans trying to calm him down, that this wasn't a meltdown by Antonio Brown. I mean, you saw, I mean, like you said, most people would just leave, right? If they were asked to leave, most people would just leave in a calm manner. He said he didn't want to play, right? So why is he mad that he's being told that he's not being, nobody has said, by the way, that he was, that he was cut in the middle of the game. They're saying that he was asked to leave the sidelines by you're not, you don't need to be here. There's what everybody said. There's not a head coach out there that is going to make a fucking personnel decision in the middle of the game. It's not happening. Yeah. Not happening. And then he said, you don't need to be here. And that's what Bruce Arians said to Peter King. You don't need to be here. Yeah. He doesn't need to be on the sidelines. That's what the here is, is the sidelines. And he needs to go into the back if he's got a medical issue or if he doesn't want to play, he needs to go in the back and not be on the sidelines. It's exactly what every head coach would be asking that player to do, regardless of the circumstances you need. If you're injured, you need to go get checked out by the team doctors in the back. We need to get you out of your stuff. If you don't want to play, you don't need to be on the sidelines. Yep. This, this guy was told that he can't do whatever he wants. And he got pissed. That's Mm -hmm. what this all boils down to. He was not coddled. Like he wants to be coddled. He picked his moment to throw a fit in the middle of Walmart. And that's exactly what he did. He acted like a toddler in aisle six and he did it on national TV. And that's going to be it for him this year in the NFL, but he may be back. Who knows? This guy's a nutcase and I'm, I'm over it. I'm kind of, you know, I kind of hope this does do it for him. Cause he just, I just don't want to watch it anymore. And it's a shame too, because he he's a hall of fame talent, but yep. he, he's a hall of fame asshole too. He, he will never get into the hall of fame uh, in our lifetime. I feel like this Zach we don't know how the rest of the the year, the season is going to play out for the NFL, but this single handling might be the craziest year in the NFL ever. I I thought nothing would top last year, to be honest with you, because of the COVID situations and all this stuff. This year is just absolute nuts. It's complete bananas. I want to throw this little tidbit in there and then we're going to wrap this up as we have kept you all for an hour and 20 minutes now. I, someone made the argument yesterday on Twitter that urban Meyer should get coach of the year. And I kind of agree because it's an entertainment based business and for dollar for dollar, that man provided more entertainment this year than any other head coach combined. 
I just thought that was funny. I, I really like liked that point that someone put out there. Um, all right, that's going to do it for us. Football, another effort. Thank you for tuning in, as always, part of Broadway Sports Media and 440. 440 Podcast has lots of good episodes, uh, episodes, other podcasts to check out. Please check out their content as well. Um, but thank you for tuning in, uh, first and foremost. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends and family that you listen to us and share it to other people. For Zach Lyons and myself and for Michael, who called in and derailed our podcast for a good 20 minutes, you just been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.